Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello there, Six Packers. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, Episode 70. Depending on who you talk to, Pope Francis is either a luminary or an apostate. There doesn't seem to be very many opinions in between. I won't judge whether he's an apostate because that's way above my pay grade at this point, but the evidence leaning toward that conclusion is really mounting. For the sake of argument, let's assume he is an apostate. What does that mean to six-packers? How should we respond? What are our moral obligations? We'll answer those questions and more in this episode. What did Billy D. Williams, the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell, and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross? Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's Biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how, in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity, how the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. While we Catholic laity lack the competency to declare Francis an apostate at this point, there is certainly a great deal of evidence stacking up to indicate that he has indeed apostatized. For example, while he had no direct involvement, Francis stood by watching as priests and laity worshipped a fertility goddess in the Vatican Gardens. He also allowed the German Bishops' Conference to begin a process of dismantling the Church's 2,000-year teachings on human sexuality, specifically regarding homosexuality. Francis heretically says, even with God's grace, it's impossible for anyone to obey the commandments of God and avoid sin. Yet the Council of Trent says, if anyone says the commandments of God are impossible to observe, even for a man who is justified and established in grace, let him be anathema. He also heretically says a Christian believer can have full knowledge of a divine law and voluntarily choose to break it in a serious manner, but not be in a state of mortal sin as a result of this action. Francis says, Conscience can truly and rightly judge the sexual acts between persons who have contracted a civil marriage with each other, although one or both of them is sacramentally married to another person, can sometimes be morally right, or requested, or even commanded by God. With this comment, he attempts to completely nullify the Sixth and Ninth Commandments, as well as the sacrament of matrimony. But it gets worse. In what appears to be a justification of homosexual relationships, Francis says it is false that the only sexual acts that are good of their kind and morally licit are acts between husband and wife. 
Last October, the Pope said, once incarnated, Jesus ceases to be God and becomes man until his death on the cross. Do I really need to comment on that? In what universe can such a ridiculous, irrational heresy possibly make sense? What amazes me more is that he'd expect any Catholic to buy into this theological refuse. In addition to these and other heresies too long to list, Francis has made repeated Antichrist comments. He's made these comments multiple times about himself, and they can only be interpreted as Antichrist in nature. Popes throughout the centuries have referred to themselves as successors of St. Peter. This Pope has referred to himself on multiple occasions as the successor of Jesus Christ. If Francis had done this one time, we could easily give him the benefit of the doubt and call it a slip of the tongue. After all, we've all intended to say one thing when a vastly different thing came out of our mouth. But Francis has done this so many times that it can't be attributed to a slip of the tongue. He has to be saying what he means. Oh, and in a surprise move, Pope Francis has dropped the historical and essential title Vicar of Christ from the 2020 Pontifical Yearbook, the Holy See's annual directory, relegating the title to a footnote, calling it a historical title. He replaced it with something no other pope has ever done before, his birth name. Based on what we know through biblical revelation about eschatological matters, if the Antichrist turned out to be the Pope, as many have predicted, then one of the big signs that it's happening is that the Pope Antichrist would do all he could to remake the Catholic Church in his own image and likeness. Apart from his sacrileges and heresies, Francis is attempting to change the entire structure and nature of the Church. For example, we can only sin against an animate object, specifically God, man, and animals. Yet in an Earth Day address last month, Pope Francis declared that humanity has sinned against the Earth. He says that we have to ask the planet for forgiveness. At a time in history when the Catholic Church has been standing absolutely alone in its opposition to contraception, something that all Christian religions opposed 90 years ago, this Pope castigates women who don't use it. While speaking of responsible parenthood, the Pope cautioned against Catholics being like rabbits. The Pope spoke about a woman he knows who he said was pregnant with her eighth child after having the first seven by C-section. He said he'd rebuked her, saying, But do you want to leave seven orphans? That is to tempt God. That is an irresponsibility. That woman might say, No, but I trust in God. But God gives you methods to be responsible, he said. When he said it was God who gave us methods, I don't believe he was speaking about the God you and I worship. Artificial contraception is evil to the core, and God can't commit evil. Pope Francis frequently castigates faithful adherents of the Catholic faith as obsessed, doctors of the law, neo-Pelagian, self-absorbed, restorationist, fundamentalist, rigid, ideological, hypocritical, and much more. In addressing faithful cardinals at the Synod of the Family, in magazine interviews, book interviews, radio interviews, 
official church documents, and in homily after homily, he's used condemning language indicating they are idolaters and rebels who will never arrive at the fullness of the truth. He's called them heretics and not Catholics. And he's even worse in his criticism of Orthodox young people who he views as rigid. In other words, he's against us six-packers. Pope Francis said he felt the need to proceed in a healthy decentralization of power to the Episcopal conferences. He discussed plans for decentralization with his College of Cardinals both in December 2015 and again in June 2017. In 2016, Pope Francis suggested decentralization as a way forward in the debate over communion for adulterers. If Jesus didn't want a pope, the central power he established in Peter, he'd have established things that way. This is perhaps one of the biggest plans to change the nature of the church. Do you think that maybe Francis isn't serious about breaking up the structure of the church? Then consider what he said in January. In a renewed and enthusiastic endorsement of globalism in 2020, Pope Francis repeated his call for international and religious leaders to sign a global education pact this month at the Vatican, saying it's all the more urgent in the light of the sexual abuse crisis. On its face, this statement seems innocuous. However, after a number of other frightening comments throughout his address, Francis said two things that sent a chill up my spine. The first thing was that Francis highlighted two key areas related to his global educational pact, climate change and interreligious dialogue. He also said that the global educational pact is needed to educate us in universal solidarity and a new humanism. Christianity or God were never mentioned, only a new humanism. Recently, during an in-flight press conference, Francis said our duty is to obey international institutions such as the United Nations and European Union. Indeed, he took it one step further and said the UN needs to create and assert a one-world government and force the nations of the world to live under UN rule. He added that he would happily turn the governance of the Catholic Church over to this global government. I don't know about you, but that absolutely terrified me. I'm not frightened easily. As I've said on this show before, I've faced what seemed to be immediate certain violent death on numerous occasions. But this UN commitment from Francis invoked more terror in me than any near-death experience I've had. The globalists, leftists, perverts, and every miscreant and malcontent in the world hailed Pope Francis as the greatest luminary the Catholic Church has ever had, and they apparently intend to follow their Pied Piper Pope right off into the abyss of hell. But what about you and me? What does all of this Francis fallacy mean to us? Let's say for a moment that Francis decentralizes faith and moral decisions to let the individual bishops' conferences decide what's taught in each region, then turns around and gives the church to the UN. How do we respond? What do we do? The option more and more Catholics are choosing is to leave the church. That would be understandable, attractive, and even a viable option if Francis was the church. I may be stuck in this wheelchair at my desk and haven't been out in a month, but I'm much better connected to the outside world than many of you probably suppose. 
I get emails from Catholics being torn apart about this every week. Because of my responsibilities to you six-packers, I read all the political and Catholic news feeds that come into my inbox, nearly 200 a day. I know what's going on. I know and understand how you feel. And I can emphatically state that leaving the church isn't an option because Francis isn't the church. The authentic, true head of the body of Christ, the church, is Jesus Christ. He's its head and we're its members. Our obligation is to remain faithful to the church, no matter how difficult that may seem. During his earthly ministry, Jesus never promised us a bed of roses. He only promised us the thorns. Now our biggest thorn, one we have to endure to our deaths if need be, is remaining in the Catholic Church under Pope Francis. Vatican II was a valid and beautiful council. If you disagree with that, I'll tell you plainly that you're wrong and you've never read it. You can't read the dogmatic documents of Vatican II and still think it's anything besides the work of the Holy Spirit. If you reject Vatican II, by necessity and implication, you have to reject Vatican I. The Vatican II document Lumen Gentium tells us that, quote, Basing itself on scripture and tradition, the council teaches that the church, a pilgrim now on earth, is necessary for salvation. The one Christ is the mediator and the way of salvation. He is present to us in his body, which is the church. He himself explicitly asserted the necessity of faith and baptism, and thereby affirmed at the same time the necessity of the church, which men enter through baptism is through a door. Hence, they could not be saved who, knowing that the Catholic Church was founded as necessary by God through Christ, would refuse either to enter it or to remain in it. There are two key takeaways from this. The first is the Church is necessary for salvation. The second takeaway is that they could not be saved who would refuse either to enter it or to remain in it. Simple equation then. Leave the church equals condemning your soul to hell. Of course, if Francis is right, you don't have to worry about that anyway, because among his many heresies is the teaching that hell doesn't exist. But if you believe Jesus Christ, hell is very real and the only option you have if you leave the church. I understand people's frustrations about the direction the church is going in, and I understand the desire to leave the church for a schismatic sect like the Society of St. Pius X. But to even consider leaving is pride, and to actually do it is damnable pride. In his Sermon on the Mount, one of the things Jesus told us we have to do is penance. We've tended throughout our lives to practice small penances, if practicing any at all. Heck, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday were always big penances for me. But a close examination of the Gospels and church history, especially the first few centuries, shows us Jesus expects big penances. Sometimes those penances mean sacrificing our lives for him. I hope and pray it doesn't come to that for any of us, but it may. Now everything boils down to where we spend eternity, and our choices would dictate that. So make up your mind now to remain faithful to the church and live the faith as best you can. Drawing on the graces of your confirmation, make up your mind that you're willing to die for the faith, because you may have to. 
Hang on, because we're in for a wild ride. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a holy orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, the Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows, and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. Not everyone gets a two-minute standing ovation at his own funeral, but John Cardinal O'Connor was not everyone. I knew Cardinal O'Connor. He was what a bishop truly looks like, and this marks the 20th anniversary of his death. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to National Catholic Register. Hillsdale College is a conservative, non-sectarian college in southern Michigan that seems more Catholic than the vast majority of so-called Catholic schools. This year, 18 Hillsdale students will be entering the church, and this seems to happen every year. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick pick Number 3 Hats off to National Catholic Register. U.S. Ambassador-at-Large for Religious Freedom Sam Brownback has warned that religious persecution is spreading worldwide and highlighted the examples of anti-Christian violence in Nigeria and a growing religious surveillance state in China. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to Catholic News Agency a Vancouver-based bicycling charity, broke a long-standing partnership with the local Knights of Columbus and rejected their donations of bikes over the Knights' anti-LGBTQ plus beliefs. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to the Daily Signal. 
Prior to the lockdown, the Los Angeles Unified School District opened its doors to Planned Parenthood to establish well-being centers in their public schools. Now Students for Life of America is calling on Los Angeles to allow them the chance to offer life-affirming local resources for pregnant and parenting students. Let's see how that pans out. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. On April 30, protesters in Michigan were fed up with the draconian and tyrannical lockdown measures of Governor Gretchen Whitmer. They did what any liberty-loving American would do. They occupied the Michigan State House to confront their elected representatives, and it wasn't pretty for the elected officials. The protesters weren't at all intimidated by the Michigan State Police as they stood outside the House chamber, shouting, Let us in! Let us in! They didn't get in, and it was the protesters' calm during the confrontation that kept things from becoming a bloodbath. But they certainly made the intended impression on Governor Whitmer and the representatives. Not only were the representatives afraid to let protesters into the House chamber, but the governor had to be whisked away from the Capitol by her security detail. What in the world would frighten the politicians? After all, the state police were there in force, and they were armed with riot equipment, pistols, shotguns, and rifles. Well, the reason the politicians were afraid is because many of the protesters rightly exercised their God-given Second Amendment right to bring their own firearms. Protesters showing up armed sent a loud and clear message to politicians that the citizens of Michigan weren't going to be bullied and enslaved anymore. They went to the State House to defend their liberty, and the members of the legislature finally recognized that the tyranny has to stop, or that they'd have to face consequences. So the legislature voted not to extend Governor Whitmer's lockdown. Unfortunately, that incredibly arrogant, stupid, and incompetent woman didn't get the message, and she decided on her own to illegally override the legislature and extend the lockdown in defiance of the peasants who dared to defy her. The legislature responded by suing Governor Whitmer. Watch Michigan closely. If some really stupid liberal judge sides with the equally stupid governor, the next protest might not be so pleasant. In fact, it's likely to be bloody. I was proud of Michiganders who stood up to the tyranny in favor of their constitutional liberties. I expected the lamestream media to report negatively about the protest, of course. As anticipated, the media labeled the protesters fascists, Nazis, racists, and right-wing extremists. That didn't bother me because I expected it. There was only one thing that bothered me, and it was from a self-proclaimed conservative commentator. It was a comment from Fox News' Sean Hannity. Let me state that I haven't been a very big fan of Hannity for quite a while. Catholic Sean Hannity told a priest on his show some years ago that he'd quit contracepting when priests stopped sexually molesting children. Then he eventually left the church over the pre-sex scandal. This was so incredibly arrogant of Hannity that his hubris caused me to be a bit distrustful of his objectivity. For the last three years, I've taken everything Hannity says with a grain of salt. 
All of you know that I support President Trump. Hannity, though, has become a mindless psychophant for the president. Even when Trump makes mistakes, and he's made some doozies, Hannity tries to convince us how great the president's bad decisions are. For example, no constitutional conservative, which is what Hannity claims to be, could possibly support Trump's unconstitutional, multi-trillion dollar coronavirus relief bill, but Hannity thought it was the best thing since flip-top beer cans. His support of the president's bill even caused a rift between he and his best friend Mark Levin, a true constitutionalist. With this in mind, I think Hannity's response to the Michigan protest demonstrates that he either doesn't understand the Constitution or doesn't really believe in it. On his live television show, Hannity scolded those protesters who showed up at the protest bearing arms. He told them to leave their guns at home, that they shouldn't have been armed. What in the hell does Hannity think the Second Amendment is for, anyway? Hunting? Personal defense? No, the framers included it so we can protect ourselves from a tyrannical government. John Adams said, liberty once lost is lost forever. That lays the groundwork for a fight in this situation, but it was Thomas Jefferson who had so much to say about the topic. Jefferson said, a true patriot will defend his country from its government. He also said, when tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. Well, tyranny became law in Michigan, as well as some other states, so those fine Americans rebelled. The people in Michigan did exactly what they were supposed to do, just the way our founding fathers did. We didn't start the Revolutionary War. The British did. All we did was declare our independence from King George. He sent his army and navy to violently force us to remain subservient to him. We reacted with our armed citizenry to defend our independence. The Michigan protesters were armed to defend themselves from tyranny, and the only way those arms would have been used is if they'd been met by police state violence. Fortunately for law enforcement, their commanders displayed wise restraint. I've got some news for Sean Hannity from Thomas Jefferson, the original constitutionalist. Free men do not ask permission to bear arms. Hannity, we certainly don't need your permission to bear arms. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is a welcome visitor to parishes across the United States every Sunday through his What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Using humor, immutable truth, and ignoring political correctness, Joe Sixpack helps the average Catholic in the pew better know and understand our holy and ancient faith in a way that is refreshing, awe-inspiring, and makes readers chest-pounding proud to be Catholic. And readers love it. Now you can enjoy Joe's work by getting the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It book series. In fact, get two copies of each book, one for yourself and one for your pastor. Then your priest can decide if he wants to help your fellow parishioners by subscribing to the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Get your copy of the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo.
I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. One day a small boy was trying to lift a heavy stone, but it was just too heavy and wouldn't budge. His father was passing by, and he stopped to watch his son. Finally, the father said, Are you using all your strength? The discouraged boy replied, Yes, I am, Dad. The father said, No, son, you're not using all your strength. What do you mean, Dad? You haven't asked me to help you. When you're attempting a task, you do well to stop for a moment and humbly call on God for help. This would be a fitting reminder of your dependence on God, as well as an assurance of help from Him in things you'd never be able to do on your own. Help your fellow Catholic six-packers. They need to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find the Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.